Heaven high. Heaven high, and welcome to the frequently updated Rom Doings podcast. My name is Nick Mailer, and my subordinate co-host is Jonathan Elias Walker. Podcast at rumingdoingeasy.com. Rumingdoing.comings. At rumdoings on the Twitters, while Twitter's still around, although it may not be by the time you hear this. Facebook? Doesn't exist. Well, it soon won't. I think it's it's very much blotted its uh, copybook, hasn't it? What's so embarrassing about Facebook is the way grown-ups think kids are using it. Mm, kids don't use Facebook. Kids do not use Facebook. Kids use the Snapchats and the Instagrams Correct. and the the other things that we don't know about because we are in a men in our 40s. Yes, exactly. Um, and But that's rightly so because actually Facebook yeah. is hideous. It's hideous. Facebook is a, genuinely, among kids, Facebook is a thing mums and dads use. Why would they touch it? And yet all these businesses and people and even oh, every institution in, working their infrastructure around their Facebook... Not understanding how short term that is. Yeah, I mean, my uh, one of my never mind just just kids in their teens or post teens. I mean, I'm talking about I'm talking about a colleague who's in her mid going beyond mid twenties now, and she sees Facebook as a very much a it might as well be using a Bakelite telephone. <laughs> no, it's I, and that pleases me because yeah. the hubris of those people who think that they have finally cornered the internet. No, the yes. internet, it, it, it just, it will wash your detritus away just as, as it always did. So, like, if like, only there like it did with AOLs. AOLs. Yeah, yeah. If only there was, like, maybe Friends Reunited. Or indeed, let's go back further. AOL, yeah. CompuServe, CompuServe, Yahoo, you know, or it, it washes everything clean, the, 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 the powerful waves of an open internet. So I still What's have nice faith. Is, what, What's nice is how much Mr. Murdoch spent on MySpace. Oh, yes, MySpace. Does that even still exist? I all? believe it was switched off earlier this year, I think. Fair enough. This is Rum Doings, episode 256, and the topic today is... The topic is, is Jacob Rees-Mogg evidence that you can never trust the thin? That's, I, I feel that that's actually um, thin-phobic. I'm not. I'm afraid you're not allowed to discuss it. Okay. Well, I shan't then. My thin phobia is is verboten. So, how you been? Anything been happening in your life recently? No. Okay. Glad to hear that. So, you've just been in this weird stasis since August when we last recorded. <laughs> Don't be silly. It was last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you been on holiday even? Um, I have been on holiday since last we recorded, but it was the same place I went on holiday last time, so... And and was it more wretched or less wretched this time? It was just as lovely. It's a lovely place to go. I highly recommend it. What, what's it called again? Mars? It's not really anyone's business, but I do recommend it. Where is it? Mars? No. Where? But I was telling Toby yesterday about how um, people will be going to Mars in his lifetime and how cool that is. So you were lying to Toby yesterday? Because you can see Mars in the sky at the moment, very, very clearly. So you were telling lies to Toby? Okay. No, we're gonna, I was telling him we're going to be sending more and more robots up there. They'll be start building stuff. Oh, not in my lifetime, but in his. No, incorrect. It's not that's going to happen in his lifetime. Why not? Because by that stage, everything will be finished. 
You mean the heat death of the universe? No, no, just uh, I think progress on Earth will be finished. Uh, as I said, it'll be a pathetic thing, like a, a nuke will go off by mistake because of a five and a quarter inch floppy disk that was processing the launch process would have, get a corrupt sector, which they hadn't thought of in the 70s when they were designing it, and it will just go off. And it'll be a bit tawdry, and that'll be that, and then it'll then there'll be a, a counter-strike, and it'll just meh. It'll just be a bit meh, and that'll Do be it. Do you remember... Four years ago, when Elon Musk was like, oh, he's the guy who's going to get us to space. He's a really interesting, exciting guy. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's Elon Musk. Oh, so it's, that's never going to happen. Yeah, it's a pity. I mean, the main problem with Elon Musk is when he started telling a lies about um, the Hyperloop. Right. Uh, and I thought, oh, OK, this guy's actually... There's a, there's an amazing bit of the... I may have mentioned this before, but who cares? There's an amazing bit in the war, in the actual War of the Worlds, the book rather than the film, mm-hmm. where he, he reaches the, he, the, the, the... One of the protagonists once the Martians have invaded. It's a very Mars-based episode, wonderful. When the Martians have invaded, he, he kind of reaches this, this guy who says, I've got an idea. I know exactly how we can protect ourselves. And he said, oh, finally, somebody with a vision, somebody who isn't just despondent about things. Uh, I think it was a, he'd been a preacher before or something, this, this person whom he meets. And the guy says, what we must do is we must build, rebuild the whole earth, but underground. And, yeah. and, then, the, and, then, and it describes in the book how he suddenly gets despondent and says, oh, no, this guy that I thought was offering me hope is just a madman. Damn it. <laughs> and I get that feeling with 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 Musk at the moment. He yeah. was, he had enough money to be able to push through one or two of his less crazy ideas, and that's fine. And then he started talking nonsense about the hyperloop, about uh, creating a vacuum chamber across thousands of miles in which a magic bullet will will shoot and nobody will ever die uh, because people will be in that bullet. And of course, if if you pinprick or manage to get a tiny hole in any of that tube for the thousands of miles, then, of course, everybody dies immediately. So, yeah, that's going to happen. And then mm-hmm. he thought, oh, okay, right, there we go. And now he's boring holes all underneath, like a, like a, like a, a mad vole. And he's just a, a pain. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to be uh, assuming that he is anything other than an overly ambitious nerd. I'm not going to well, cast aspersions on him. I'm just basing it on his behaviour, like his no, no, call, no. calling the guy who criticised his submarine a, a pedo, things well, like that. Well, People who just call well. other random people <laughs> pedos with no evidence are the worst of the worst. They are. Just ask Rupert Murdoch. Um, That's right. I, I don't know. I mean, I wonder whether that chap is a pedo now. <laughs> What are you going to say if he does turn out to be a pedo? Are you going to apologise to Uncle Uncle Elon? What if he wasn't before the tweet, but became one after? So what just, if Musk is that powerful? So it just drove him into the arms of yes. a child. Wow, <laughs> that's, right. that's terrible. Yeah. He's renamed his BFR spacecraft yesterday. Did you see that? No, I didn't. What's it called now? Starship. Starship what? It's called Starship. Starship what? So it used to be Big Falcon Rocket. Yeah, but F really but it stands used for to be a root Mars, word. It used to be Mars Colonial Transporter. Which then is it better. Was Interplanetary Transport System. Uh-huh. Then it was a Big Falcon Rocket. Well, now it's Starship. 
Right, except Starship, as we've all been primed, it's always Starship and then the name, like Starship Enterprise. Yep. So, well, maybe that's the point. Each one oh, sorry, am I boring individual. you? Yes, very much so. But maybe each one will have its own individual name? I don't know. He's saying technically two parts. Starship is the spaceship upper stage, and Super Heavy is the rocket booster needed to escape Earth's deep gravity well. <sighs> okay. Well, good luck to that. I mean, I hope that does work. Look, oh, yes, We would be awful people if we hoped it didn't work just because we decided we think that Elon Musk is smelly now. I mean, that would be terrible. But- I want I want this stuff to work, and I also, although I'm not sure how much I want space travel to be a private enterprise, even though it's inevitable now. Yeah. Um, but he, unfortunately, he's sounding a bit like um, that other one, Mr. Virgin. Oh. Um, he's saying it's due to this. We're going <coughs> to be taking Sweden moon tourists. They're going to fly around the moon, and he's booked the first one was already booked tickets, and this will be happening in the next mm. few years, but. And it sounds exactly like Branson's nonsense. Branson's been taking people to the moon for 30 years now, according to him. He has. Yeah. And I mean, all of Branson's know? thing was, you know, go slightly higher than an aeroplane and then come down again. He hasn't even been able to do that. It's Which is, Private Eye loves to chronicle how many times he said, if he, said he always says, if we're not <coughs> doing test flights in the next few months, I will be absolutely astonished. He says once a year for yeah. the last 15 years. His... Uh, do you know how long it's been since someone went to the moon? Um, no, because when I was a kid, I presumed that we were going basically going to the moon every week and people just didn't talk about it anymore. And I was genuinely astonished. To, yeah, that wasn't the case. 46 years since someone went to the moon. That's a bit silly. Isn't that sad? It's in fact 46 years since any human being went outside of Earth's low, low Earth orbit. That's pathetic. What a rubbish species we are. We are the worst ones. Mm. Yeah, no, that's very, very silly indeed. Do you know, I thought the one side effect of Trump Uh might be, Uh because he's so silly and mercurial and and dumb. And somebody gives him a crazy idea and he just says, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, I thought he might accidentally refund NASA. I thought that might be the good thing that comes out of his nonsense. It's like uh-huh. you just kind of accidentally do a good thing by mistake. Like it? he'll say something like, let's make America great again. Let's go to the moon. Yeah, again. exactly. Yeah. What, you know, I, I, he can, I really wish someone would just whisper in his ear going, Mr. Trump, no one's been to the moon in, in, in five decades. You, you could be the president that, you know, puts people on the moon again. Mr. And Trump. make the, him feel special. Or Mr. Trump. You know, we could actually go to Mars. Let's go there. The, 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 then we'll then we'll beat the, the Chinese. Mr. President, no president has ever been to Mars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have to admit what I said was correct. I said Trump won't be that big a deal. Once you get to the midterms, he'll, he'll effectively be put in stalemate. Because people were asked what, the, what was worse, Brexit or Trump. And most people actually said Trump. And I said, forget it. That's no way in hell. Uh, you know, Trump will be able to achieve very little, relatively speaking. The midterms will come. He'll be stuck in sludge and that'll be it. Uh-huh. Whereas Brexit is a gift that will keep on giving for generations to come. Well, you see, here's why you're wrong. Go on, then. I think children in cages is proof that Trump actually has done something wrong no, you can't no, just, you no, can't just hand no. wave that away there, there are literal children, children in, in cages no there were literal children in cages during obama's time but you liked it because he was a well-spoken black gentleman black woman oh yeah sorry black woman. <laughs> i beg your pardon 
That's a, yeah. that's a, that's some insight you have that is yet to go public. Yeah, yeah, true. No, I'm uh, no, you're again. Trump puts an ugly face on ugly policies. Those policies pretty much were always there. There is different emphasis on them, and there may be different numbers. But do not think that one thing that Trump has done or is presiding over was not done. Even the attack on journalism is ridiculous. I mean, uh, to to overreact it. Obama used the Espionage Act to imprison journalists more than any other president in history. So, you know, we need to be very careful when we assume that a nice face means nice policies. And in a sense, I like the fact that Trump has blown that uh, box open and everybody can see the maggots crawling within. So I think he's done a very good service in that regard. The, uh, The only problem is... The Democrats aren't waking up. Nancy Pelosi and those other folk are sort of saying, yeah, steady as she goes, bipartisanship, yeah. we're going to cooperate, we'll help him build the wall, blah, blah, blah. So I blame the Democrats for not being robust rather than him for just being him. I mean, he's just whatever he, he's always been. There's, not, there's no surprises. He's not done anything surprising whatsoever. And yet the Democrats have continued to react in this, well, Unsurprising way as well, because they are just as in hoc to corporate interests as he is, probably more so in the totality of things. If you look at people like Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. So, yeah, the Democrats are disappointing, uh, but not as disappointing as the Labour Party, of course. Of course. Um, I, I, I talk about gifts that keep giving, Corbyn, eh? Um, so, I Jeremy. I genuinely forgot it existed for a few months. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jeremy, how, how would you vote... Uh, in a referendum tomorrow? Oh, not sure, really. Oh, brilliant! That's such strong support for uh, for the Remain uh, side that you proclaimed to have been seven out of ten for when you refused oh. to campaign properly for Remain. It's horrible. It's it not good enough. I'm right. I've said from the start, and I maintain, and I will be proven right. Brexit won't happen. And I and and I've said this since the very beginning. And I believe now there is other people are finally beginning to realise I could be right. Well, when you say Brexit is not happening, what do you mean by that? Let's be precise about your prediction. It will it just be it'll it'll fizzle out and never happen. It will just be abandoned. But but how will that? How, I mean, she signed Article Fifty. What happens next year? She just there's nothing to say she can un, can't unsign it. There's no, absolutely no nothing to prevent her just backing down. They ever Europe wants them to back down and unsign mm. it. So there's no reason not to. Um it might they may have to hide it behind a people so called people's vote. Mm-hmm. But it won't it won't happen. No everyone everyone with an ounce of sense knows that it's a terrible thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Um you can have your mogs and your your Davises. Who, no. Yeah, who can oh Farage is irrelevant, he has no mm-hmm. power, but um who can pontificate in the background and say, Oh blah blah, sovereignty, blah blah blah. But only they they've got business interests in seeing that work out in the short term for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um screw their own children. We need to take back control though. We do need to take back control, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um so, but everyone who's a grown-up in the situation knows that it's a terrible idea, mm. and um, I don't know. I mean, is what's the, is there any possibility that Theresa May is deliberately seeking deals that she knows can't be supported by her own party in order to force the abandoning of the process? Well, there are conspiracists who are now suggesting that, but it's it's difficult to believe that she is clever enough to achieve that's that. true yes. yeah but maybe does she have civil servants behind her who are clever enough perhaps and 
it, it is interesting that she creates a a compromise which both sides hate equally. And that's an achievement because everybody clearly realizes that this would be the worst of all worlds and that we literally will have ceded control without mm-hmm. any uh, ability to have a- any influence on the regulations that befall us, i.e. We, we would be entering the parody that the Brexiters made of the status quo. We will actually be entering that situation. Um, and but we won't have a lot of the benefits of membership that uh, Remainers want. So we will be caught in between these two stools in the place nobody wants to be. And this is what she says is the ideal option. You want you do wonder, don't you? Uh, it does seem a bit much. Yeah, how could you concoct that and expect people to? And also something where she can say, "Look, it wasn't my fault. The DUP wouldn't support it." I think that's very interesting, the way the DUP are being used in a funny way to be the P. Oh, no, they they said they wouldn't support me. I'm so sorry. I tried my best. But, you know, DUP and all that, the UK's own union is very important. We tried Brexit, but that would have affected the UK. Sorry. And then everyone's saying, well, there'd be 50% of the country would be so furious that it happened. Nah. They just carry. They were already furious. Well, yes, it's not as if they. And what are they going to do? Protest? Say, so, sorry, you, you cut out then. Vote who? What are they going to do? Are they going to protest? Are they going to be on the streets? Riots in the streets? Yeah. Well, the Countryside Alliance managed to do that, to be fair. <laughs> That's true. They did. To such great effect. Well, they did have an effect in that they scared David Cameron, not David Cameron, Tony Blair at the time. I mean, he was he he was surprised and worried by them. That's because he was uh, a silly Billy. Also, where the hell is David Cameron in all of this? How does he just get to slink off? And I know. you know, why aren't people burning effigies of him? He put us in this mess, and he just go, "Oh, uh, had a go, off I go, back to getting some money from uh, from 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 my various corporate interests." Ta ta. How does he yeah. get away with that? Uh, nobody kind of cares one way or the other. It's almost... Think back. David Cameron was a prime minister. Yes. Okay. And he was in coalition with Nick Clegg. Yep. Do you remember those days? I do remember them. Isn't that extraordinary? It just seems like a weird parallel universe of... of not, I would say, normality, but... It feels like such a balm compared to now. Even in the worst moments when they were lying left, right and centre and austerity and all that, it was something that you knew we could exit from and then repair. Then suddenly he, 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 he dropped a little nuclear bomb which just tore everything apart. And then he said, oh, well, sorry about that. Off I go. Well, you know, he was his, it was his, his hubristic plan was to finally shut up the whinging well, hero... Yes. Europhobes in his party. Correct. And 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 uh, Clegg agreed to go along with it. And uh, they assumed, and I've, I've read this subsequently, it was my presumption, but part of their, big part of their calculation was a massively uh, pro-Europe Labour leadership, because obviously... Yes, of course. Who would, who, would, ..who would bring enough of their traditional working-class cities on board just to tip the vote. That was the primary calculation. That's why it was considered safe. Because they said the issue is the white working class 
they could push this to Brexit, but it's okay. We're going to have a powerful voice in the Labour Party. We'll have somebody like a Prescott or equivalent going to all these northern towns, except what happened. Yep. So if you want to blame somebody, as I keep saying, it's the Corbyn factor here that made the difference because that completely screwed the calculation. And, and, that, and here we are. Uh, no, I say I would dis- I would disagree. If you want to blame someone, you have to blame Cameron. If you then want to blame, uh, if you then want to get angry for someone for not fighting back when they could, you blame Corbyn. Well, I... it's what Corbyn wants. The guy's voted against the Labour whip to in against the EU for decades, and he forced the he forced his party to vote with Theresa May last yeah. year, if you remember. He was Don't the f- forget, who was the first person before even Nigel Farage yes. to call for the uh, invoking of Article 50? Yes, he was. It was so- Jeremy Corbyn. The first thing, the next morning, yes, he said we need to invoke Article 50. Quick, 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 quick. now. Now, yep. before, before it gets cold. Yeah. <laughs> it was so... At the time, I was screaming. But it, that, that was the, the per, you know, that was peak Corbyn fever at that point, when no one was willing to even consider the notion that he may have an imperfection. Has that abated? Yes. So I've been asking on the Twitters. Obviously, I've been unfollowed by the vast majority of his loony followers, but there are a few left and they're all trying to... The argument made, why is he now not calling for a a second referendum? Uh... Um, Why why is he not just standing up and saying, uh, referendums aren't legally binding, we don't have to follow it, it's fine? That's the whole point of a parliamentary uh, system. Yeah. so anyway, that, all that aside, why isn't he doing this? Well, the reason is, is because if he does, that will turn all the Labour re- uh, leaving t- towns and, and voting areas against him. Mm-hmm. And then he'll become, it will be impossible for Labour to get into power and it will just allow the Tories to continue their reign. So what he needs to do is pretend he's in favour of Brexit a bit in order to keep those voters. So what he needs to do, so what the Labour, the, the Corbyn acolytes are arguing is that what Jeremy Corbyn needs to do is play politics and lie about what he thinks in order to manipulate voters. Just like they always said that they liked about That's the thing they said they liked about him, wasn't it? So they the think he's, he's playing, playing politics and yeah, abandoned yeah. his principles. So they think he's, so it's now convenient to pretend he's playing 3D chess. Yes. Absolutely. Well, 3D chess has always been at the centre of all Corbyn uh, acolyte logic. This is just, yeah, because otherwise, if you just take the um, rational uh, interpretation of what he's doing, he's an out-of-date idiot. He's a nasty, bitter old man who doesn't want to be do. He doesn't want to do anything, let alone yeah. lead a Labour Party. But is kind of glad at the opportunity to get away from this EU he's always hated. Yeah. Because it, it it has all those anti anti terrorist anti fascist countries in no, it. Yeah, but all, no, his his main problem with the EU is that um, it, it is with what he calls the neoliberal regulations, where it, for for example, you're not allowed to subsidise your your state airline and things like that. It, it it's got competition laws. You can't do mass nationalisations and things. So he's saying the only way that the UK can get back to the seventies is without the EU because the EU will stop that from happening. And and he's right. 
um, the EU has is an interesting combination of things like the social chapter and and those kinds of um, social democratic sides, but it also has a free market side. You know, being the common market where it says. Everybody has to play on equal playing field. You can't have a government in one country pouring a lot of money into an industry to give it an unfair advantage and all those kinds of things. Now, he wants the government to be able to be to do that. And that's why he's been always been opposed to the EEC and then the EU. Um, He hasn't argued, you know, you could argue, fine, uh, maybe the free market is causing an entrenchment of certain capitalistic ideas across Europe, which is unhealthy or unproductive. Or you could say that it actually uh, helps to bolster the economies across the European Union, which allows there to be sufficient tax income, which allows things like social safety nets to happen in the first place. So, you know, you can have either interpretation. His interpretation is nasty capitalists twiddling their Jews, twiddling their moustaches, uh, mm-hmm. And and we need to uh, get. He really would argue we want to get back control. Whereas when he, he in his mind getting back control is it's the workers, it's the people, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and let's not be pretend. Let's not pretend that EU's great. No. Oh, it's it is. It has all the problems that most people presume it has. But as would anything that controls uh, billions of, of of people and and dozens of countries. Um, it's it's not a miracle. It's just. An et- a fudged attempt to do something useful. That's it. What's all that banging? There isn't any banging. You were banging. That's complete silence. Uh, so Losing your mind, dear. I read your um, report today I don't on want your to website. Talk about, I don't want to talk about miscarriages. You have to say one thing, though. They're yeah. great. Try a miscarriage today. No, but here's an interesting point. I wondered, at what, at what point... Do you call it a miscarriage? Yes, I and I tried to touch on this in the, in yeah. the so that if you if people want to read it, go to pregnantpause.org.uk. Yeah. Um, so I tried to touch on this, which is that you know we get miscarriage on easy mode is how I described it. Yeah, I thought that was a useful is, way of putting it. Yeah, you have a positive pregnancy test and then you have a period essentially. Yes. Um, but you know you know that that what's coming out could have turned into a baby could have grown into a baby yes there was there was essentially on some level life yeah. and now there is not um i tried to argue rather than it being death it's the loss of pot- a potential life because a bundle of cells you know yes well quite i'm not i don't i don't weep every time i pull up a weed from the garden or or indeed every um, time you shed some skin yeah Kind of, I would argue, not kind, kind of different. Of. No, it's not kind. Of. Why My is skin kind of isn't an independent existence. No, but that's not actually true. Every cell is independent and has its own self-interests and its own power stations, and will fight against the rest of the body when it needs to. And let me, if you think your skin doesn't have its own yeah. independent existence, wait until you get skin cancer and then tell <laughs> me that. So, yeah, and I think that's a very unhelpful way of viewing things. We are a federation. We are a union of lots and lots of independent interests that come together um, when they want to. So actually, I do think it's a useful way of thinking. Every cell, every cell has the potential to um, to do something interesting apart from the Federation. Uh, and so I, I do think it's the same. I think every time you shed a cell, every time there you is... Should- you should mourn and grieve for a few weeks. Now, now, of course, so it's not the potential. It's not that their life has died. It's that there is a potential that you could have had a child. In other words, it's almost yeah. a completely, you know, you have to separate out 
the the cellness of it. It's no more interesting in a in a sense than any other cell that dies in your body, and that gets but flushed the, out. But the other the, thing it is to work at. So we, we this would have been around the five week mark. Yeah, this this happened, and if you could scan it at that size, and it's very hard to do. It isn't literally just a few cells. It, it has a little bit of form. There is a heart developing. I mean, there's so on that level, it's a bit gross. Mm, but um, it's in, these things kick in incredibly early because you know by seven weeks you can scan and look at the little fetus in there. So, so what I want to know is, um, uh, is it? Would you call it a miscarriage if, say, the fetus had not? implant the egg hadn't implanted on day two and you knew that for a fact no because i mean that's you're getting down to a, a literal definition now so that it post implantation loss is miscarriage that's just what it is okay so, so if it if it implants and then a moment later yeah. it falls away you would still but, call it that i mean i wonder at what point do you say okay that is a miscarriage i know that technically but that's 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 what i, I think i think okay so technically it's that i think realistically it's when you've seen a, the word positive on your pregnancy test mm. and then you're having a, a period i think that's that's the re- the real life because because definition it, i think it's problematic and it's unfortunate that there is one word that carries everything from the implanted egg falls out a minute later to the the the, the child is just about to be delivered but comes out dead I agree, and and uh, that, and I find that very problematic. And I wanted mm. to stress, you know, like I've, it, this, uh, we're not, we didn't, we didn't lose a baby. Yeah. I, I, have, I know, so I have friends who have had, who've miscarried to at the point where they're li- they're giving birth to a dead yes. baby. Yeah, and and that is a trauma I can't even comprehend. So, do you think that people who've been through that would be offended by your piece? I hope not, because I str- made I stressed the difference. Yes. Um, and I also made the point that I made, you know, the, my point that a broken leg isn't isn't nearly as bad as dying of pancreatic cancer, but broken mm. legs still really hurt. I also like the point that you made that you imagine doing it without already having Toby. Yeah, yeah. Because I think we do say, okay, yeah, there is still pain and disappointment and frustration, but we have to admit that uh, the context of doing it with a child already versus childless is a different universe. Absolutely, and yeah, um, yeah the. And, and that's the thing. That's why I say it is really like a couple of weeks process. It's not you don't grieve. For, you know, when you when someone you love dies, yeah. you grieve for two years. Mm. It's, it's that's the the realistic length of grief. But Are this you still is a grieving couple, for your is, father? Well, no. I think the way I described it in the art in that post is quite good, which is to say it switches from th- a thing happening to you to a thing that just is part of you. So mm. I I still desperately miss my dad and i think about him you know not every day but pretty but re- pretty regularly um and i still you know and i still get very sad about him sometimes but right. it's different from this thing that was happening to me which yeah. was this sort of imposition of grief i guess it's in the sediment of your being now exactly so it's another as I said, again another line it's a very very quotable article um uh, yeah, Ooh, just, I know. <laughs> just I realize I'm quoting myself in, in the most 
ghastly fashion mm. but uh, yeah it's a sedimentary layer at the bottom of your being mm. and you just get on with things but with, the, with this it's a couple of weeks process and it's it's crap but then the, 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 but of course the other part of it that makes it slightly different is that there it isn't the case that we had sex a couple of weeks ago had a positive pregnancy test and then laura had a period yeah it's that a couple of months ago um laura started taking all the drugs and in daily injections um and then we went for had to go for regular scans of her womb lining and then she went and had the implantation where we went into the clinic and she lay down and she had this whole process and they take the cell and they show us a photograph of the embryo and they do this magic thing where they put it inside her with all this whole process Mm. and then you have to have a two-week wait after that where she continues taking all these horrible drugs and pessaries and all this stuff um and then um, you do the test and it's, it's and then you get a positive test and then two weeks later you lose it. And so that the, the IVF factor makes a big difference. Well, I, I think, think it does. I think it does. I know you forgot to mention before that, of course, you'd had some uh, you'd, you'd had some embryos created. Yep. Which uh, which cost you a lot of money and time as well. So that was even before the what happened a couple of months ago. So, you know, yeah, yeah that's true. That was so long, like, like a year ago, I guess we had. Because yeah, we had uh, that, and that's far worse. That the whole egg harvesting process. So Laura then has to take a ghastly cocktail of drugs to get her because she, you know, her she has PCOS, and yes. so her she can't, she doesn't naturally um, ovulate, mm. and so they have to get her to a position where she's building the right number of a, a, a viable eggs ovum whatever you call them in her bits and bobs and they have, to, they have to get the balance of drugs so precisely right for that and because she's polycystic there's the risk that she could end up creating hundreds and die and so they have to stop that from happening and then they get to the point where there's about 20 to 30 inside her and they harvest them and of that four were that vi- they fertilize were viable right um how many have you gone through and then we've gone we've used three so we have one left well and you can then you can do ivf all over again well, and that's the, yeah, and then that, that's obviously when Laura and I have to sit down and have a big, long and difficult talk, because yes. putting herself, because that process and the harvesting is incredibly risky. You can die from it, why not especially just get, in Laura's get a, situation. Why not just get a baby from Africa? Well, yes, we could just import one, couldn't we? You could. You could look after a lovely kid that wants a stable family and a brother. And... Well, okay, so an interesting thing, when, back when we were... Before, so after Toby, before we st- I think we'd started IVF, or we were t- we were tr- we were going through the same process that got us Toby, which was uh, Clomid and um, various other things. Um, but uh, so we were we're doing that, and I and I I asked Laura about adoption, mm-hmm. and she her her response was incredibly uh, emotive, emotional, which was I am she she was cross with me. Mm-hmm. Um, not reason, not fairly. Yeah, cross, yeah, but she yeah, was yeah. she was cross with me because she's just said I I cannot put myself and I am my brain is so consumed by this I can't yeah. even allow myself to consider that mm-hmm. and sure. I'm not willing to have that conversation. So that's mm-hmm. been we, that that conversation has been put off and it will you know maybe sure. can be picked up another time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we're a, maybe we're a, f- a, a family with one kid. So or that that's and I'm just fine with that. Yeah, it, it, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I can tell you, I've, I've had Judith's nine now. She didn't exist when we started recording this podcast. She's nine now. Unrealistic. Um, and she's fine. It's, there's no problem. I mean, you she know. is a monster, though, right? Well, I, I would hope so. But uh, <laughs> I mean, she has had she had a scooter stolen from school. 
And, oh, no! Well, there is this kid in the infant school who has a brother in junior school. Apparently, this kid in the infant school likes to take all the junior school uh, pupils' scooters and scoot them yep. about the place and put them behind hedges and so on. You know, he's a five-year-old or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when the head teacher of the juniors... Uh, the first time this happened and the kid was able to say where he put Judith's scooter, um, the, the head teacher asked the parents and said, well, why does he do this? And he says, but if we try to stop him, he cries. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no! Cause so, so uh, as Victoria said, you know, uh, or my mother said, you know, can you imagine he goes in front of the magistrate. Um, <laughs> can you explain why you robbed that bank? And then the mother pops up. I'd like to um, put a case in his offence. When we try to stop him robbing banks, he cries. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Oh, please don't cry now. <laughs> please don't cry now. There will be a mistrial. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's what we have to deal. And then, and then the kid took it a second time. I can't remember where he put it. So right. we have to get a new one, and now we put a lock on it, which is ridiculous. So, you know, that may be because she's an only child. I will, I will give you that. What? What? <laughs> I don't understand the link. Well, you know, I'm trying to think of problems, and there, that was a recent problem, and maybe it's because she's an only child. You know? Oh, I see, yeah. yes. She, he's a, he's a, she's a target. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, although I suspect the five-year-old doesn't know that. Um, I feel other... like Toby's going to be that the, the five-year-old in that story. <laughs> I think he will be, and you're not going to take stop him doing it because he'll cry. <laughs> it is like, obviously to- a conversation I have with Toby a lot goes like this: Toby, just because you've started crying doesn't mean I'm going to change my mind. So he'll often, you know, turn on the waterworks in this hmm. deluded belief that it will somehow change everything. It's like, um, and so, and then he'll get actually sad rather than just fake sad mm. and then you sort of need to comfort him but you know, still don't change your mind well don't you though don't you change your mind well or, here's what I'm building do you I think you here, do change your mind sometimes and I think he wins once I've said Toby because you've started crying I'm not going to change my mind I don't back down that's my mm. that's my line but uh, the night before last he was he's, he's sleeping through perfectly now and he can wake up at night and get himself back to sleep he takes himself to the toilet everything so things that we never believed could happen wow but the last couple of nights he hasn't hasn't been so great and um he couldn't i took him for his i take him for a wee we do which apparently is called lifting i beg your pardon um, what do you mean lift? Lif- that's what they call it that's what if you go on your mum's nets it's lifting what does that mean what's that a euphemism means- for it's, a euph- it's so weird it's a euphemism for picking up your kid while they're asleep and taking them for a wee in the night why do you pick them up when they're asleep because you wake well like you, you to, the idea is to stop them uh wetting the bed every night oh does he wet the bed if you don't do that then well he floods his nappy so his his, his wees are so big that there's no nappy that can cope with them right and so the nappy will leak and then it just leaks out into the bed and then he wakes up in a wet bed and then you have, i've got so good at the bed change. I'm like uh, one of those Formula One engineers <laughs> changing the tyres. <laughs> Back in bed asleep. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, just, just to stop that happening, what I've been doing is around 9.30 every night, I, I go into his room, wake him up a little bit, take him to the toilet, he does a wee, and I take him back and he falls straight back to sleep again. And then um, it doesn't happen. Which And some people are for this and some people are against it, Nick. There are different opinions. Why are people against it? Because you're basically not allowing him to develop his own mod- moderation skills. With yes, the, the holy grail of being dry at night. 
the mm. uh, the Holy Grail of all childhood. Um, some people think it helps and some people think it hinders. Some people think that having them wee when they're half asleep means... Because what you're waiting for is for the brain to... There's a switch that seems to flick in, in children's brains, which makes mm. them wake up when they need a wee rather than not. And for some kids, it doesn't flip till they're eight or nine. And for some, it flips when they're two or three. Um... And it's just, and so people think that maybe by doing this process where you have them wee half asleep, is you're preventing that switch from flipping. Mm-hmm. And yet he's still waking up at five o'clock, needing a wee, and going to the toilet. So mm. who knows? Who knows? But the best part of it is the conversations I have with him at nine thirty are the best conversations of all. Oh, really? Because I get I get to talk to dreaming Toby. And do you get anything sensical from him at all? Yeah. Okay, amazing things. He'll start telling me about dinosaurs and dragons that are doing random things and um, all sorts of bits and bobs. Hmm. It's loads of fun. I've suddenly realised that it helps to think of the universe and space, expanding space, as a gel. Okay. I think that helps. Basically, there is no space and then matter and then energy. It's all all a gel and it's just the gel kind of has different colours inside it. And that's and that's the universe. The problem with that is when I wave my arm around, it isn't viscous. No, no, no. But it's it's a pixelated gel, so it's a bit like <laughs> it's a bit like Christmas lights gel in that you're. It's just kind of because at the at the uh, at the Planck distance, you could, you're not actually moving contiguously. You're moving between pixels. So so it's just like bit pixels of the gel are lighting up or unlighting. So we're all one gel. <laughs> We're all one gel with pixels. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful! You should start a cult. Yes, <laughs> so that's who. That's that's that, and that that explains a lot of things about quantum mechanics and also relativity. So we're it's all just one gel. Space isn't a separate space; is an object. It's just the gel, and it, it just gets excited in very. The gel gets excited in various ways in it in its three D pixels, and that's it. So that explains a, everything. What's outside the gel? Um, there isn't. Well, we don't know. There could be another universe. That's another expanding bit of gel. Of course, what's it expanding into? Well, then we get into another problem. That's real. That's that's real space at that point, I guess. But um, maybe uh, we just don't talk about that. It's kind of, can I just check? Are you talking about gel like um, wobbly jelly, or are you talking about gel like a thing you put over a light? Ah, uh, wobbly jelly. Wobbly yeah. jelly. Okay. So uh, run, run this part to me again. I haven't understood the, the 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 gel theory. Well, from the big from the big bang, basically upwards, it's just an expanding. It's an expanding sphere of gel. Okay, but I, I get, get to the, pixel, the pixelated bit. Yeah, but it is pixelated. Yes, yeah, so if you. But what zoom, does that mean? Well, if you zoom in enough, it's actually digital gel. <laughs> what just ones and zeros? No, it's it's pixels, individual pixels that can um, ha, that randomly that that on their own, the individual pixels go on and off randomly. But if you have enough of them, they kind of create this cloud of stuff that looks like matter. And so, what's dark matter in gel? Um, it's just dark bits of the gel. Say again, just dark bits of gel. Yeah, we just don't. See <laughs> Maybe that. it's like the um, the bits of fruit in the jelly. Oh, cool, yeah. But we, we, I mean, all that dark matter is and dark energy is is um, we see the universe is expanding at a certain speed and things are attracted to certain things, but we can't detect them using our normal bouncing light or radios off them, and we can't see any manifestation of the energy like X rays or radio waves. But we know there must be some energy because the universe is very good at expanding quicker and quicker and quicker. You know, the gel is expanding very quickly. And we don't know why. Something's pushing it, but we don't know what it is. So we call that dark energy. That's it. I would like to officially object to your use of quicker, so that's on the record. Why Why is that? More quickly. 
Um, in German, it doesn't matter how long the word is. You just add ER. So and that's how you end up with Hitler. Schwindlicher. It's true, actually. That's probably why Hitler came to power, because uh, exactly. the, the superlative uh, was clumsy. There was a Hitler, and then someone put an ER on the end. Uh, yeah, and he was more... Not only was he more Hitler, he was the most <laughs> the most Hitler. The most Hitler of all world leaders. Yes. <laughs> I'm Hitler than you. No, I'm Hitlist. <laughs> Hitler, Hitler, Hitlist. Oh my we, goodness, does that mean that we haven't seen the worst yet? That's right, we've only got to Hitler so far. What happens when Adolf Hitlist comes <laughs> to power? That's going to be a problem. We've, yeah. we've peaked, we have to stop now. Yeah, shall we say goodbye to our Go listener? To commercials. Shall we say goodbye to our listener? Yes, goodbye to our listener. Podcast at rumdoings.com. Twitter at rumdoings. You should subscribe to at rumdoings because then on the rare occasions where we release one of these, you'll know. That's right. Bye-bye, everybody. Have fun. Love you, bye. See you soon. And by soon, I mean I have no idea. Yeah, whatever. Bye. Bye.